baby, you know what that sound means. It's time for The Edge with Terry Waldrop. Terry talks about all the hottest topics in sports every single weekday from 9 to 10 a.m. He's controversial, he's charismatic, and he's the captain of this ship for the next hour. Here's your host, Terry Waldra. All right, all right, all right. Welcome in Sports Talk 97.7 The Edge, the 15th day of August 2018. Thank you for spending a little part of your morning with us. We're excited that you're here. As always, very appreciative of that. We're brought to you by somebody else that's excited to be in business here in North Louisiana. Simply the best pet care you'll get, folks. Uh, go see my friend, Dr. David Weber, North Monroe Animal Hospital, U.S. Highway 165 North in Monroe, 318-345-4545. Dr. David Weber, North Monroe Animal Hospital, your text are welcome, 888-993-7762, 888-993-7762, which is the Washita Valley Federal Credit Union text line. And, uh, no, it is Terry Walter and Jamie Foxx, Tabor's front of the board. Contrary to uh, erroneous fake news put out uh, a couple minutes earlier, DJ Durkin is not going to be uh, co-hosting the show today with Jamie. Uh, well, I'm not so sure about that. I feel like I've been uh, – uh, I've, I've dealt with uh, an intimidating style, uh, abusive, uh, perhaps even, uh, I don't know uh, – like the maybe he's thrown you you tried to throw a weight at me or two like the uh, the strength coach. Uh, I feel like the Maryland president. I'm just uh, Joseph. Was it is it Joseph Wu Wu or whatever? I Lowe. Can't remember. I think it's Low. Doctor Low, who has a uh, a Yale law degree. So this is uh, not a guy that was changing tires down at the Walmart. This is a sharp dude. No, he, very sharp. But uh, for once, I I think I there may be a college president out there that I'm taller than, and uh, and. As, as I told, uh, it doesn't look like Dr. Is it Lou Wu? What's his last name? Can you, uh, Lowe, or, I think. Lowe, it's, okay. It's well, Dr. Dr. Lowe, I believe, is correct. One hung low there, yes. Well, anyway, he is uh, – Pure God. He, has a, he could use a uh, – he could use a uh, – maybe a, a session or two from uh, Billy Bell there at St. Frederick or uh, maybe Casey Sanders at West Monroe to, to whip him into shape a little bit. Uh, uh, Dr. Lou looks like he's a, I'm sure he's a very bright man, but, uh, he doesn't exactly strike fear in me. Um, but then again, I'm not DJ Durkin and, or the strength coach at Maryland, but, uh, wow. Uh, just when you thought Urban Meyer's situation couldn't get more interesting, whoop, here come the Maryland Terrapins. And okay, now, I'll tell you what's going to happen. LSU Tigers. <laughs> okay. What LSU do? Well, right now they're, right now, if you want to, you could go play quarterback for them. Um, and, and, and that's different than the last 10 years, Hal. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Y'all took me to task last year. Uh, you did. I don't know if Sean did or I don't think Sean did. I know you did, and I think Kramer did, when I was talking about the kid that they had. Who was our quarterback last the last two years? Danny Who got drafted, by the way? Yeah, Danny. Yeah. And I'm like, look, I'm sure he's a good guy. He's a very sharp dude. got drafted in the NFL. Of course, there's – Eight million rounds in the NFL, like baseball. I'm like, he's not good enough to win in the SEC West. And uh, again, I was proven right. And boy, you guys were just hammering me about that. I'm like, look, I'm not making a judgment on the kid's character, and it's not his fault. He's not good enough. 
You know, as a coach, you put players into the game, Jamie. It's not their fault. You put them into the game. Uh, well, You've got everybody in the world. How many people there? What, five to eight billion people in the world? you got to find one that can play quarterback at LSU, and you're over the last ten years except for Mettenberger. And the only reason we got Mettenberger is he grabbed a handful of uh, co-ed that he shouldn't have and got kicked out of Georgia and had to go Juco. Other than Mettenberger, uh, the LSU quarterbacks, you could put them on a milk carton and nobody would report them missing. Terry, this is a way overreaction to all of this. Where's Ron Perlow? You know, I don't know if Y.E. Tittle has any eligibility. Oh, that's right. He passed away last year. Um, Ron Perlow's doing five to ten for fraud. Oh, is he? Okay. 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 Let, let, me, let me amend my statement. Let me amend my Currently not incarcerated or eligible to attend. I will put the caveat of that on there. I thought he was with the Giants for a while, but uh, apparently that didn't last either. But um, it, it's just been – has LSU – I don't buy it. LSU can't recruit – that's not true at all. I mean, Edling aside, Edling was good enough to get a scholarship to Purdue, uh, and he was <laughs> – Mettenberger was good, good enough to get a scholarship to Georgia. So, I mean, Mettenberger can play. He started the NFL. Now, look, Mettenberger is the, is the asterisk to that quote. And, again, you fell in the Mettenberger. It wasn't like you recruited him and beat people out to get it. Uh, but nonetheless, he was a good, manageable quarterback at LSU. Certainly, the best they've had the last decade. Terry, if you're LSU, LSU, you take, get a quarterback. You take your victories where you can find them, and in this case, it has not. It, you, Josh Booty, remember, remember Josh Booty? Uh, yeah, that was about I, the I turn of the century, wasn't it? That was that no. was like pre. Uh, what was it? Uh, Y2K. That was like when everybody was buying supplies, because they thought the computers were going to blow up. Yeah, that was pre 9/11. It's just been um, it's been an unfortunate situation. I will say that uh, it has been a, a something that I think so much emphasis is talked about. Well, we better hope that that uh, the savior from Ohio State uh, is is ready to take some SEC hits because he's got a lot of them coming his way. Uh, and they're starting. Who that kid. Knows? Is that who they're going to start? Is that well, like the fifth string the, quarterback kid coming out of there? Oh well. Matt Flynn, hey, hold up. Matt Flynn was a very good quarterback circa, what, 2004, 2003? Absolutely. Matt Flynn is my hero. He bounced around the NFL for a number of years and got paid a whole lot of money not to take many snaps. Uh, Matt Flynn, absolutely. I think that uh, the other kid, Matt Malk, I think Flynn was 2006 maybe. Matt, Uh, Matt Matt, Matt, Matt Malk, absolutely serviceable quarterback, no problem there. But by and large, the quarterbacks have not been, and I think even the most ardent LSU guy would agree with this statement. Compared to the rest of the talent that LSU has has had over the past 20 years, the most glaring, and I was a Les Miles guy, but I also criticized him on this, the most glaring weakness that they have constantly never produced is either recruiting good quarterbacks or developing good quarterbacks. By and large, they've done neither. And I would tell you that LSU is the most underachieving quarterback place, uh, arguably in major college football. I think that's a fair statement. And, look, I hope LSU wins. I like LSU. My dad went there. I'm I'm not a fanatic. 
you know, as Sean points out, Edling was 16-6. and six. He was the above-average quarterback for LSU standards. Uh, you know, what's good enough? At LSU, you're gauged on beating Alabama. That's pretty much what your gauge is. Uh, you know, at this point, I would settle for beating Auburn consistently or, um, you know, they've done well against Arkansas in the recent past, Texas A&M. But, again, that's what the focal point is in college football is your quarterback. And if you don't have one, you're probably – I mean, name the last teams that won the national championship, Jamie. Name me a guy that they had that wasn't an NFL player at quarterback. I'll wait. Um, well, you see, and I will just say this. I think um, LSU could have easily – you know, the Notre Dame game was – was Should have won, that one but they won. didn't. Should, should have won that one. That's not, that wasn't on the quarterback. Uh, you got a guy – all you need to do is be able to kick a, you know, 20-yard field goal twice – and keep a guy from going deep on you long with like two seconds left in the game, and you win that one. Uh, so that would have that that changes that changed the trajectory of Ed Orgeron. So not I'm not I'm saying that more so than really even the Troy game. Which which by the way, don't forget LSU fans that uh, that uh, LSU also lost to UAB in Nick Saban first year. So it can happen. Uh, hey, it look, happen. I, I don't make it. Yeah, look, I'm not criticizing that. What I'm telling you, and I think this is a very fair statement. I'd be interested to hear your your take on it, also Sean's. I think LSU has developed a reputation across the country. If you mention LSU to the casual, average college football fan anywhere outside Louis- the state of Louisiana or LSU, I think they will all tell you, very, look at the NFL guys they're producing. I mean, it's a ton of NFL and the quarterbacks have been substandard. It's like having, you know, a great steak. You have a great steak restaurant. Everything is good. And you put it on a paper plate. I mean, I think that is a fair assessment of where LSU has been overall the last 15 years, with a few notable exceptions, at quarterback. Am I wrong? Yeah, because I think you, I think if LSU, if you can convince Les Miles to make a change at offensive coordinator and – I know it hurt. It was his best man in his wedding and everything, and he wasn't going to fire. He went down on the Titanic with Cam Cameron, and it cost him his job. And I think had he made a change earlier uh, in his career and and made a change, that may have made the difference as far as who they recruited at quarterback. Hell, Terry, they had Felipe Franks, who's probably going to be the starter at Florida, committed for 18 months. I will just say this. It is not – a lack of recruitment, they, they, whatever. I think the development—that's that's a legitimate argument. The development may not have been there, but is that all on? We'll see if Steve Insmeer can make a difference. I think you know you have it now. The new head coach at, at Maryland, and guess who? Matt Canada, at least for the time being. Guess where he was last year, right? Helping to develop quarterbacks at LSU. So I'm just to you and and all those that say LSU doesn't. You know, the quarter, I, I don't, I think way too much emphasis. My gosh, LSU, uh, Alabama won national championships with, with people like uh, John Parker Wilson or, or, or what, and, and Brody. These, these guys, trust me, I've seen them in person. They're not physically imposing people, and they were, they were serviceable quarterbacks. They weren't necessarily, and that's all yeah. you need. That's all you need is someone who will not turn the ball over, who can, that's all Matt Mock really was. That's all, yes. meant, you know, that's what they were, serviceable. You know, they didn't they didn't have to win the game like Baker Mayfield had to do at Oklahoma. They didn't have to do that. Let me you ask know, you a question, you Jamie, and, and 
I'd be anxious to hear my football guys out there and your response to this. You know, look, Matt Mock, absolutely serviceable quarterback at LSU. Matt Flynn, obviously good enough to play in the NFL. He's like bagging groceries, and they'll sign him for two weeks for like $8 million. So Matt Flynn my, from Tyler, Texas, my hero. Mettenberger got uh, a couple years starter with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, your boy last year got, I think, drafted in the sixth round, seventh round, something like that. I mean, they've had some, some decent qu- – but by and large – has the game changed in the past decade to the point where you have to have a superstar at quarterback in order to win big? And, and let me give you my, my thoughts on this. If you go back to Deshaun Watson at Clemson, Jalen Hurts a couple years ago at Alabama, last year Tua comes in, the kid from Georgia is really good. Uh, if you look at what was the kid at Ohio State when they won it that year, when they beat Alabama in the semis, was it Braxton Miller or whoever? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a superstar in college. Uh, you look at Baker Mayfield taking Oklahoma to the semifinals last year. Has the game evolved almost like a professional model where a serviceable quarterback is not going to do it? You can have talent everywhere else, and Alabama does. So does LSU. You can have talent everywhere else, but if you don't have the key to that car, you can have a race car. But if you don't have a steering wheel or the key to start it, it doesn't matter how fast that car is. My question to you, football game, to you guys, has the game changed to where you have to have, by and large, there are exceptions. Philadelphia Eagles proved that last year. By and large, you have to have a superstar at that position in order to win. We'll take a break. A uh, bunch of text in here. I really wasn't going to go in this direction, but it sort of evolved that way. And I kind of like it. Good discussion today. You know, this is Sports Talk 97.7. Terry Walter, Jamie Fox. I'll leave you with that thought over the break. Has college football evolved to the point where you have to have a superstar at quarterback in order to win at the highest level, or can you just get a manageable guy and be really good at the other position? This and more will return. You're listening to Sports Talk 97.7, The Edge. Segment brought to you by friends at Jimmy Cooley and Ben Pitts reminding you to support an incredibly worthwhile cause, Louisiana Special Olympics. Back in a minute. And welcome back in Sports Talk 97.7. Terry Waldrop, Jamie Foxx rolling here on a Wednesday, the 15th day of August 2018. Good subject there the first time. A couple things to read. Uh, Rick Grimes points out Cardell Thomas who was like Ohio State's ninth-string quarterback that year. I think he's a third-string guy. Uh, beat Alabama. Uh, I think that was in the semis, and they won the championship. Against Marcus Mariota, by the way. And uh, so that year you had Marcus Mariota for Oregon, Jameis Winston at Florida State. You had uh, Cordell Stewart or Cordell Thomas. And then whoever the Alabama guy was, uh, it wasn't Hurts that year, whoever whoever the other guy was, the left-handed kid's name. Um Blake something or another. Oh, anyway, gosh. who? Uh, well, Blake Sims was was a right hand. I don't remember, but it was. Uh, gosh, I can't remember the last left hander at Alabama. I remember was Kenny Stabler, but there's been obviously several since then. But uh, I cannot remember. I'm I'm drawing a blank, and I was there. Sean the time, tells me, so. yeah, Sean tells me, hey, the stigma of quarterback play at LSU is very fair. However, they've recruited very highly rated ones. They've even transferred or not developed. But during uh, the Miles Rain regime, they were recruiting spread quarterbacks to play a pro-style system. 
FS says, I think Ohio State and Bama proven you don't need a great quarterback. I, I don't know, FS. That, that's, that's debatable. I think as we go forward, I think you have to have a great quarterback. Uh, uh, overall, I mean, not that you can't, uh, not that you can't win without it, but I think as the, the narrative moving forward, it's like the Philadelphia Eagles with their backup guy there last year, who was a really good quarterback, by the way. I think that's the exception rather than the rule. I think going forward, uh, you've got to have you've got to have great quarterbacks. AJ McCarron was was that guy. Thank you, uh, five yeah, five. He, yeah, and he's he's having trouble starting at Buffalo. So, uh, I mean, AJ McCarron's is a good quarterback, but and it was, I think a three year starter. But he wasn't. I would call him more along the lines of uh, a Matt Flynn, serviceable. Uh, you know, good quarterback. Yeah, that's good fair. Enough. That's fair. But I, and I, I think to 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 maybe Rick's point, um, Terry, I I, I think the, he mentioned Cardell Thomas, and and you know, uh, text us if you've heard of Cardell Thomas after that game. I, I don't recall if he ever played a down after that, and that's no no offense to the young man. I just think Ohio State recruited above him. But my point is that Ohio State. You got to understand something. Just on that side of the ball, they probably have anywhere from five to seven to eight future NFL players around him. I mean, that's the same thing in Alabama. You've got you've got NFL scouts telling you this third team, this guy that's third team right now at tight end, he's going to be in the NFL one day. And guess what? Generally, it ends up happening. So, say all you want, you don't. You have to have good quarterback play. If Matt Flynn, Matt Mock, uh, AJ McCarron. Uh, John Parker Wilson, uh, Brody Kroll, if all those guys can win or come close to winning national championships, and I would not think any one of them you would you would necessarily say, that's a great, great quarterback. Zach Mettenberger played in the NFL, true, but he's not – I don't even know if he's on an NFL roster right now. So, to your point, Terry, was it really – yeah, he gave LSU two good years. And, like, you're, you're exactly right. He fell into their lap. Uh Hell, Matt Mock was it, from Carmel, Indiana, played years in the pro, pro baseball. He fell into their lap. So, I mean, that's all this recruiting. All, I mean, the history speaks for itself. That's all I got to say. I don't think I, – I totally don't think you have to have a, a a Baker Mayfield to win a national championship every year. And believe me, Oklahoma's talented. Oh, Oklahoma is, is, is a very talented team. We'll see. I – I think that as we go forward, I think it's like the NFL. I think you're going to see more and more as we continue doing spread offenses, as we continue scoring more points. I think the value of that position being able to extend and make plays becomes more prevalent. I mean, you can coach around it, but at some point, like with Alabama last year, at some point you're going to be able to move the ball down the field. They did that uh, in the second half with uh, with Tua. Uh, Cardell Jones, okay. uh, when they had J.T. Barrett, uh, Barrett, Braxton Miller, none left, and all three are still in the pros. They might have changed position. You know, who knows? But, again, I think that the model that we're seeing, I think everything reflects a pro model. And the pro model, if you don't have an all-pro quarterback, your your chances to win are not very high. Look at the teams we're talking about in the NFL this year that are Super Bowl contenders. All right? Uh, there's not one team out there that's a Super Bowl contender or that's being mentioned as a Super Bowl contender that does not have a top, oh, at least 
top half of the league quarterback. I think Dak Prescott might be the one exception, and depending on who you listen to with the Cowboys, I, I think the Cowboys, of course, I'm a Cowboys fan. I think they're, they're really underrated, but we'll see. I mean, you play 16 games, you're going to find out exactly who you are. I think Dak Prescott might be the only only quarterback that's, that's an iffy guy right right in the top 50% of the league, but the rest of them from uh, you know from Drew Brees and the Saints, Drew Brees is an all-timer. Uh, and some of these other ca- – I mean, from Brady to Mannings to – and that's the worst Manning they have in Eli. So it, it changes. I do want to segue, though, into, into pro football a little bit more. I don't know if you watch it, Jamie, but really, really interesting. I, I can't get enough of it. It is the Hard knock show. I started really enjoying these, uh, these reality television shows on uh, college football, on – professional football, absolutely mesmerizing uh, some of the stuff that they do. Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks came on again last night. Uh, Really entertaining. So the Cleveland Browns, the train wreck that is the Cleveland Look, if you thought Disco Demolition Night was bad for Cleveland back in the 70s, I think 78, 79, yeah, you hadn't seen the Cleveland Browns circa 2018. Baker Mayfield in his trailer. Uh, Jarvis Landry, the LSU former LSU and Miami Dolphin wide receiver who made an impassioned plea to his teammates in week one on hard knocks. Uh, so week two, Corey Coleman goes into Hugh Jackson's office. By the way, the the Cleveland Browns were 0-16 last year, (laughs) to nobody's surprise, and gets ticked off because he's being run with the second team. He said, hey, why don't y'all just trade? He's a former first-rounder. He's a wide receiver, former first-rounder that they had very high expectations for. But he's dropping balls. He's not running routes correctly. He's basically half-stepping it to sort of paraphrase a term from a coach that I used to know or several like that. Why am I running second team? Using some some expletives. It's crazy to me. If you don't want me to play, why don't y'all just trade me? So they did. Look, when you are leaving, when you are leaving Cleveland, when you're getting traded from when the Cleveland Browns say, you know what, dude, ain't good enough for us. We're 0-16. And Buffalo's like, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. We, we absolutely will take it. Uh, there's some issues. But you get into seeing some of the stuff that the Cleveland Browns do, some of their work habits, some of their culture, and it's no big surprise, Jamie. They're where they are. Do you really think they're going to be that much better? Jarvis Landry, you got some better players coming in, but the work habits are god-awful from what they show on the show. And I know they cut it on the on the uh, the, the – the editing room floor, but that's just what they show. It's sort of like the one, uh, you know, the Netflix did, Last Chance You in Independent Kansas. They showed the guy that curses, like, I don't know who you've ever known in your life that curses a lot, but uh, I would put my boy from Independence, Kansas, against anybody in the Navy, uh, living or dead, in the history of the world. That that guy's an all-time guy. <laughs> DJ Dirk is going, hey, what about dude here? I don't care what I, with the exception of like taking a sword and cutting people's heads off, uh, there's nothing that Turkey could do that rivals the dude from Independence, Kansas. But at any rate, it shows you an insight. Jarvis Landry hit somebody upside the head with a ball. 
uh, in this last one, and probably the dude deserved it. But the culture has to change, Jamie. The the half steps, the the, the half effort, and the football coaches are trying to get them to change it. It's not happening. How do you change a culture of 70 years of losing, for the most part, of the Cleveland Browns? Well, I think the only answer here is to bring in Pac-Man Jones and maybe trade for Vontez Perfect, bring in Dez like you like you tried to do. And Dez wants to go to Cleveland, by the way. Now he's going to yeah. Cleveland's my Cleveland's my man. I want to let, go, as he says, I want to go to the land. Uh, okay, I got, okay. Another, I got another one for you. I got a question. Antonio Callaway, the really gifted wide receiver that's been in trouble from Florida. Gee, that's uh, never been said before. A kid from Florida that is in trouble. Anyway, so Cleveland drafts him, and he is cited, and they're showing this on the show, and he's like trying to, he gets stopped, and it is a misdemeanor marijuana possession for him. In the grand scheme of things, not that big a deal. He doesn't tell his coaches or the, or the, or the office about it. He doesn't tell the club about it, kind of like, you know, hey, they're probably not going to notice. I know I got cameras following me around that found out about it, but yeah, they're probably not going to. Wait, they're going to air it on national television to win? Oh, crap. Uh, yeah, so he gets called into the office, and naturally he comes up with, well, what had happened was, so it wasn't his, it was somebody else's. Uh, so HBO has the uh, the dash camera, police dash cam footage. Uh, he's got a suspended license, misdemeanor marijuana possession, and then he kept, he keeps it secret uh there's something wrong with him in practice and you know this before the coaches know it which is really cool they call in callaway after practice i'll tell you about that and more when we return you're listening to sports talk 97 7 it's like one of those science documentaries where one snake <laughs> eats another one it's absolutely fascinating stuff only on the edge here folks this number brought to you by our friend mr bobby batting attorney in law tremendous north louisiana attorney specializing in criminal offense, wrongful death, misdemeanor marijuana possession, whatever you need. Poppy is the man for you. Give him a call today. Don't delay. 318-324-1411. Bobby Manning, attorney at law. The edge rolls on after this. And welcome back to Sports Talk 97.7. Terry Walter, Jamie Fox, Tabor running the board on this Wednesday, the 15th day of August 2018. Appreciate you spending a little part of your morning with us. This segment brought to you by our friends at Spottavale, Lemmy Lane, and Monroe. Pamper the special people in your life. God knows if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you might need to get the daily package right over there. So Antonio Callaway, the police pull him over, got a suspended license. How does that happen? Uh, oh, yeah, that happens to lots of people. Uh, and misdemeanor marijuana possession. He doesn't tell anybody about it. Although HBO has the footage from the police dash cam, uh, so he's kind of you know moping around practice, and you jacked like man, dude, you're like a puppy dog. What's wrong with you? Well, afterwards they find out. They call him in the office, and uh, Antonio comes up with the. Uh, and Jamie, I mean, how many times has this happened to you? Well, see, what had happened was I had a car, and then somebody shipped me my car, a car that I bought, and. It just happened to have weed in the car. It wasn't mine. Somebody left their weed in the car. Uh, I mean, it happens all the time, right? And so Hugh Jackson says, hey, look, I believe you. It's like the old Ghostbusters thing. We're ready to believe you. Uh, and so he goes, hey, everybody gets a mulligan if you're telling the truth. So 
is this uh, Antonio Callaway's mulligan, and it appears to be. And uh, to heap even more on the, the lackadaisical culture of the Cleveland Browns, the FS Paul Brown is not walking through there anymore. Uh, they show clips of them at Tyrod Taylor's suggestion of them loafing through practice, half-stepping stuff, you know, stuff you would expect with an 0-16 losing culture team. Uh, Des Bryant will visit, will visit tomorrow, Jamie. And so the question becomes, if you're Cleveland and you're going down the gut, you got Miles Garrett, number one pick. you got Jarvis Landry. you got Baker Mayfield. you got a few pieces to the puzzle, and you have some people that are just absolute abject disasters on that team in the locker room that you're counting on. Hugh Jackson's doing everything he knows to do. At some point, you just blow the whole thing up. You keep your the kids that, that are young guys that you don't want to develop bad habits, and you go from there. Or do you interject Des Bryant, who is not a he's not an NFL All Star anymore. He's still a very serviceable receiver. Uh, understanding that he has a lot of needy issues, you put him on an already immature and young Cleveland team. Is that the best thing for that locker room? Or do they not even – my prediction is I don't even think they offer him a contract. I think Des Bryant waits for the first couple weeks of the season. You wait till you see some of the receivers in the NFL go down. And I think they bring Des in as a stopgap measure uh, for a very short-term period. I don't think Cleveland signs him tomorrow. Am I wrong? Well, you don't have Corey Coleman around anymore. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, that's, good. that's a very, very good question because – You've addressed the culture situation. Uh, if I've got a cultural issue in my locker room, that's not exactly someone I am signing tomorrow. Um, and you know more about that th- than I do based upon the Netflix show uh, chronicling the Cowboys and, and uh, dealing with Well, oh, the Browns are the same way, Jamie. The Browns are awful. Yeah, they are. And I, I, it's unfortunate because really, I'm really pulling for Hugh Jackson. But it, it, this seems like um, – a situation where you really almost have to blow the thing up. I mean, you just you you trade everybody away. Uh, you got you got a guy. Think about this now. You got Callaway, who can't stay away. You know, whose trouble follows him every way. Josh Gordon, who you know is a rehab flunky many times over. Tremendously talented individual. Forty three out of forty seven games he's missed. Right. You had Corey Coleman, who was a malcontent. Now you want to bring in Des Bryant. Um, Heck, I mean, you know, make it a, a trifecta, bro. Ahead and bring in, uh, you know, some other folks like Pac-Man and others. I, Cleveland's trying to get talent out of some questionable individuals, and I understand that. It's it's unfortunate. I think a lot of people had. But but what you're saying is the, the work ethic isn't there either. And apparently the coaches are either too afraid or they can't they can't remake the roster this late you know, into training camp, that should have. They thought they had done that over the, you know, over the summer with free agency and so forth. It's not working out, and there's a reason why Miami traded Jarvis Landry, uh, former LSU guy. Uh, when I saw him in the locker room, I just, I will just say this: I, I, I love Jar. I'm glad that, uh, Jarvis Landry played at LSU, but he's got a pretty limited vocabulary. I'll just leave it at that. And apparently, Corey Coleman did too. You know, I can't that, speak to that. I hadn't really heard that. Uh, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not hiring people to be, you know, Harvard neurosurgeons. 
I need them to be positive members of that community. And I think Jarvis Landry was impassioned in his first speech with the, with the Browns. But how do you change a culture? How do you change the culture? Sean thinks they win four to six games. I think there's no way. I haven't looked at their schedule, so I, let, me, let me rephrase that. Just on the surface, I think it's a train wreck. You probably luck into a couple wins. There are uh, Anheuser-Busch in, uh, in Cleveland is offering free beer at various locations. Anytime the Browns win a game this year. And so, in order to save money, they were going to give free beer out every time the Browns lose a game, but they'd probably be out of business by week three. Because uh, I'm not a Browns fan, nor do I drink a whole lot, but if I were, uh, yeah, I would probably be moving to Colorado or Washington or somewhere to make the games less painful. Uh, interesting takes, though, on the Cleveland Browns. How do you change a culture? Is that what Durkin was trying to do at Maryland. You know, the, the strength coach got he quit yesterday. They're going to fire him. They're going to fire Durkin, folks. They're going to fire the the head football coach at Maryland, Matt Canada. Man, you talk about landing in a gold mine. He bounces out of LSU where he did not get along with staff. Now he's going to be the head coach of an ACC program a year later. So, uh, Matt Canada, the voodoo worked, and now you're going to be head coach. Interesting to see what you do with it because he doesn't have a history of working and playing well with others. Although now you're at Maryland, you're under a microscope. So all coaches are under a microscope, which goes back to my question. How do you change culture? How do you change? Because the easiest thing in the world is to continue doing what you're doing, win or lose. New England has a certain culture that they are comfortable with and they can impose their will upon people coming in. In other words, people coming into New England and Belichick's culture need New England worse than New England needs them. And I cite the reason. Look at all the malcontents and the people on the edges that have come in and done well there. The uh, comparison to that back in the 70s was the Oakland Raiders with John Madden and Al Davis. They would take all the malcontents, they would bring them into that culture, they would thrive in that culture where they didn't thrive anywhere else. And so those are special deals. Nick Saban at Alabama has created a culture. It wasn't there when he got there. You guys have indicated before when he lost to UAB, lost to ULM his first year there. But that culture he's created, and again, I see Dan Wolken, who I take exception with most everything he writes, the USA Today guy. Uh, you know, the only reason Nick Saban wins is because he's had eight number one recruiting classes in a row. Uh, the great ULM basketball coach, NLU basketball coach, Mike Viney. People ask him one time, well, you know, uh, you know, what, what's the secret? He goes, I get better players than everybody else. That's the secret. And back in, and, you know, when, when Keith Rashard was an assistant, when Tom Schubert was there, Gallette, they were getting better players than everybody else in their league, and they were winning. And that was a certain culture that they created. And so I think you see that in different sports. You also have the other side of that, Jamie. You have bad culture. And people don't want to change bad culture because they're comfortable with it. And we will talk uh, after this break as we close down the show. Name me the worst cultures of any sport. High school, college, professional in any sport. What are the worst cultures over a period of time, and I would suggest to you they didn't get that way by accident. 
You're listening to Sports Talk 97.7. Terry Walter, Jamie Fox, Tabor running the board. This segment brought to you by our friends at Vantage, Billy Justice and Company. Back in a minute, the edge rolls on. Hey, welcome back in. Sports Talk 97.7. Terry Walter, Jamie Fox. Uh, Sean is trying to bet me that the Browns are going to win four games. Not sure. I looked at their schedule. Eh, maybe. Uh, I personally hope they don't win because I'm not a big fan. Nonetheless, although I do like Hugh Jackson, it uh, should be interesting. I've got another bet for you. Jamie, you ready for this one? Uh, this is one not to not, this is one to not take to Vegas. Okay. Uh, our friend Ron Artest, also who changed his name to Meta World Peace, who changed his name to the Panda's Friend, to say he's a little nutty. Is that a fair statement that Ron Artest, the elevator doesn't quite go to the top? Is that a fair statement? Yeah, he's about three French fries shy of a Happy Meal. Um, that yeah. would be an accurate statement, yes. Former NBA player and world champion Ron Artest, excuse me, Meta World Peace on his Twitter account, made a prediction for the NBA Finals this year. I'm sorry, the Eastern Conference Finals. Are you ready? And you think in the Eastern Conference, well, LeBron left, so, you know, it should be wide open. Uh, the Celtics are really, really good. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers with their young talent are really, really good. Uh, should either one of those teams potentially, you know, uh, be in the Eastern Conference Finals? I think odds are you'll see both of those teams in the Eastern Conference Finals. No disrespect to Orlando or the Hawks or any of the other really bad teams in the East, but nonetheless, Ron Artest, Meta World Peace, has come up with uh, the Indiana Pacers will play the New York Knicks in the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Ron Artest is not going to be on what what was the DraftKings.com and all the uh, the stuff we used to see in college football a couple years ago, where you could you know you could literally bet on anything. Yeah, they're not going to bring in uh, Meta World Peace for an advisor on that. The New York Knicks, who I don't think have been in the playoffs since uh, Jeff Van Gundy was biting on Alonzo Mourning's ankles back in the 90s. Uh, and the Indiana Pacers, who, again, uh, you know, you can bring Larry Bird out of retirement. I'm not sure the Pacers, uh, although they, they did okay last year. Uh, the Raptors have added Kawhi Leonard at least for uh, 82 games. Yeah, Metal World Peace and his predictions. Uh, don't bet the house on that one. That might be even a more uh, long shot, certainly, than the Browns winning eight games. So, interesting, these uh, these reality shows in football. Did you see Kobe Bryant spoke to Alabama yesterday or two days I ago? S- yeah, it's been a few days ago, but, yeah, he did, and uh, that's something Coach, uh, Coach Saban does every year is bring in, you know, speakers to talk to the team, and I'm sure – uh, there were some things gleaned from that, and uh, yeah, Kobe Bryant was a competitor, and uh, I think it was uh, something can be gleaned. From, talk about culture, Terry. You bring in something like that, uh, or someone of uh, that's had that much success. Uh, I don't think you can do anything. You may not agree with all of it, but there's something you can certainly learn from having a speaker come in and talk to your team uh, of the uh, stature of Kobe Bryant. You know, we spoke a little. I it might be yesterday, the day before. And I've talked to several of my Division One uh, friends, head coaches, assistant coaches. You know, we've talked about there's a huge jealousy and resentment toward Mike Krzyzewski for, you know, his involvement with USA Basketball. Not because they don't support USA Basketball, because 
just about everybody out there feels like Mike Krzyzewski gets an unfair advantage, like he needs one, with USA basketball in recruiting, right? And so can I give a correlation for you, and you, and you tell me what you think on this. The football comparison to Mike Krzyzewski is Nick Saban. Fair, fair statement. Uh, tactics are, you know, sometimes emulated. Uh, others question. I mean, you can make the statement, look at all the people that have coached under Krzyzewski that ended up getting uh, head coaching jobs. Uh, Wojciechowski uh, comes to mind, Grant, you know, a, a number of them. Uh, and, and I think it's just success tends, and I think rightly so, I think programs tend to think success breeds success. And uh, I think if you've got a, someone who's, it's well known in the in the football. It's not necessarily easy to work for for Nick Saban, but it's something what you. It's almost like a uh, a resume requirement. If you can coach under him for two or three years, uh, generally uh, you can jettison off somewhere else, and and that's. But it's a good selling point. Same thing with Shashevsky. I would think is that uh, as long as you've got uh, it on your resume that you've coached under Mike Shashevsky. Uh, it bodes well for your future employment opportunities. Uh, no question about it. There's the guys who can pick up the phone and get you a job. And, again, it's, you know, college jobs, professional jobs are different than what people think. Jamie, when I was a, uh, a high school coach, and actually I am again now, go figure, but in that 20-something-odd period where I was everything from a Division One coach to a JUCO coach to a head AI coach, there's a difference in what I thought it was and what it actually was. Um, and I think a lot of people don't get that. I, I had a conversation with uh, a couple conversations with some football friends of mine uh, over the past two years, and we were talking about different people getting jobs. And these were very successful high school coaches. And, you know, their, their, their question was, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, I might try to get hired at this collegiate job. What do you think? And, you know, the hard thing is, you tell them, and I include myself in this, what do you bring to the table? And I had one coach tell me, well, hey, I know every, uh, and this was actually not in Louisiana, so another state, he goes, I know every high school coach in the state of Texas. And the answer was, well, I mean, that's great. There's a lot of people that know all those guys. Are you bringing money connections with boosters? Are you bringing a certain, are you Mickey Joseph where you could go into a New Orleans and immediately have name recognition and be able to recruit in there. Because that's why they're hiring you collegiately. It's not that you can coach defensive backs really good or not that you're a guru at the 3-4 defense or, or any of that stuff. Everybody can X and O to some extent. That's the easy part of it. And I say easy. Everybody has some sort of skill set on that. Some are better than others, obviously. It's about players. Uh, and and that's, that's just the bottom line. And I think a lot of people – miss that i think even in high school if you take uh, an average to below average coach you put them with tremendous athletes and players you're going to win a fairly high percentage of your games if you take uh, somebody that's an excellent coach with below average players compared to who they're playing they're going to win more games than they should but there's a cap on how good they can be uh, if you take the village idiot put him around great players they're going to win a bunch of games now, when they run up on players just as good or close to good or somebody's a really good coach, yeah, you're probably going to lose that. So I think people get uh, – there's a lot of mistakes made in getting caught up. 
that if you put somebody that's a really good coach with elite talent, then you have Nick Saban, then you have uh, Shashevsky. At the high school level, pick them. I mean, not that everything they do is correct, but over the course of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, that's where the John Curtises of the world come out. That's where the Haynesvilles of the world come out. Uh, and that's just that's just factual. So, really interesting stuff today. If uh, if you know of a quarterback for LSU, email them. Uh, we need a GoFundMe for a quarterback at LSU. That'd be LSU quarterback at GoFundMe.com. Reach out to Coach O if you have a quarterback or know somebody that's a quarterback. Uh, I say that tongue in cheek. Uh, they may or may not be fine. We'll find out. We'll get into this again tomorrow. Bunch of texts I didn't get to read today, but we will get those tomorrow. Make sure you stay tuned to Sean Fox Sports Company this afternoon at 3 o'clock. For Jamie Fox and John Tabor, thanks to our sponsors today, Washington Valley Federal Credit Union, Vantage, Spot Bell, Bobby Manning, Attorney at Law, GB Cooley, and our title sponsor, Dr. David Weber, Northland Animal Hospital. Simply the best pet care you're ever going to get, folks, anywhere in the free world. Go and visit him on US 165. That would be north. In Monroe, 318-345-4545. Dr. David Weber, North Monroe Animal Hospital. For the aforementioned Jamie Fox, John Tabor, I'm Terry Walter. You guys have a great day. Aloha, folks. We'll see you tomorrow.